The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. The first piece of advice I'd have to anybody who wants to to start a nonprofit is to to definitely don't be in it for the wrong reasons. I mean, me me and Aubrey don't pay ourselves. And I mean, at this point, that's by choice. But Mm -hmm. regardless, it's not like we'd be raking in the big bucks. You have to be in it for, for something that you really, really, really care about. Another big thing is, you know, stay in compliance, do your research. There's a lot of things you have to file. As far as starting it and funding it, starting it was extremely slow. Um, I mean, with with the limited amount of money we had trying to market and fundraise while still finding vets that we can help, while still paying all the filing fees for the compliance and all that, it's, I mean, it's a lot. The biggest source of our funding has been, we have a couple local foundations, the Carolyn and Peter Friedman Foundation, uh, Tiburon Sunset Rotary Foundation that have sponsored us and have given us extremely generous donations. Um, and we were, we were lucky enough to find them actually through completely organic marketing. On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I am welcoming Peter Klein. Peter served in the Army in multiple positions, including infantry team leader and instructor. He won the Fort Benning Non-Commissioned Officer of the Year competition for 2020 and was honorably discharged in December of 2020. After being discharged, Peter has continued serving by creating Boots to Books, a nonprofit devoted to getting our nation's veterans educated and employed through a variety of means, always free to the veteran. 
Aside from Boots to Books, Peter attends Chapman University studying political science and economics and manages three different communications teams as part of a congressional campaign. Peter may be the youngest guest we've had on the show, but by no means is he inexperienced. In just a few short months, he has launched a nonprofit while working and going to school full time. His lessons that he shares today will give you some things to think about as you prepare your own transition plan. Welcome to the show, Peter. I am excited to have you here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I always start off with the transition question. So tell me about your military transition. Was it planned? Did you plan to do four years? Um, did your transition go as expected? Tell us a little bit about your story. So I, I always knew that I was going, that I wanted to go to college after the military um, and do it in person and do the full experience. Mm -hmm. So the, the four years was always a known thing. The transition kind of caught me by surprise because as I was preparing to transition, I had been caught in this cycle of competitions that eventually led up to the Fort Benning non-commissioned officer of the year competition that I competed in four months before transitioning. So the, the window of transition was, was shrunk a little. Um, just because of how busy I was with those, but I was able to do it right um, and plan it out. And I got a lot of help from one of my friends, Aubrey Sign, who now started Boots to Books with me um, in the common application and college applications and applying for jobs. And it, it turned out really well. And I'd been admitted to Chapman with an academic scholarship and had work lined up before I got out. Um, so it, it went well, but Boots to Books was not, not a planned part of it that okay. the idea actually sprang from from the help I got from Aubrey and we talked about it we're like wow like you just made that so easy for me and like I'm getting all this money in scholarships now like I have this this great job that I really want to do like wait a second why isn't everyone getting this <laughs> um, and so that that aspect of my transition was was unexpected so you but, didn't expect to be a nonprofit founder then I did not but I I couldn't imagine it going any other way now Okay. And so I think the, maybe the biggest lesson from that is to always keep your mind open to possibilities, right? So I, I think we all have this idea of what a transition looks like. You know, we have to check all the boxes and it doesn't necessarily always work like that. And I think the more open you are to those possibilities, the more likely they are to come your way. Don't you agree? I completely agree. And I think some people are, are bogged down by the idea of, oh, what I did in the military has to be what I do when I get out. And that's I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth. I didn't do anything related to nonprofit or political science. I was an infantryman, right. you know, um, and so I think people kind of limit themselves to their ex, you know, their past career. And that can also cause them to be a little closed minded in the transition as well. Okay. So you mentioned Boots to Books and you founded that last year in 2020. Um, tell us a little bit about your organization and the services it provides. Since founding, we've kind of amassed this Rolodex of people, is how I always put it, that, that want to help veterans. Um, so we're kind of a conduit of information and also financing. So through this network, we're able to help guys pay for stuff that the GI Bill won't cover when it comes to school. Let's say their textbook, uh, you know, their allowance for textbook falls short. We can help them pay for that. We can help them with their college admissions process and application fees. And then on the professional side, as far as getting a job, we have a large network of people that want to hire veterans or work in, let's say, finance or real estate or whatever it may be, who are like, hey, I may not have a job to give them, but I'd love to talk to them and tell them 
a path that I think would help them get hired more effectively. I'll look at their resume. I'll connect them with people I know. Um, and also, we found that a lot of professional certifications are a big thing now for hiring because they want that hard backing to your resume. Um, and so something we're doing now is sending people through these different certification programs. So Bootsbooks recently just spent about $4,000 to send a bunch of guys to get cybersecurity certifications. That has been a, a big part of what we've been doing recently is helping guys get these professional certifications, especially because we're in the summer and a lot of guys aren't reaching out for the college assistance as much now. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've had a couple events for cybersecurity and that's what the certification is going into. Um, and so recently we had an event with Christoph Fullen that was free career coaching for vets with a Q&A. Come on whenever you want, ask any questions you have. And this guy who's done everything in the industry, and I mean, he hosts a podcast about how to get in the industry, is answering all your questions. Um, and so we're trying to do that with a bunch of different industries so that even if you, know, you don't feel like reaching out or directly asking for that help, hey, just hop on and ask this guy a question. Like, if there's something you're wondering about working in this industry, come on, it's free for you. We'll give you all these resources. If you need a certification, like, let's see if we can cover that for you. Okay. Uh, and so it's kind of sprung from in December, what was a, a small group of people who were like, hey, let's, let's see if we can help veterans cover some stuff and, and give, them, give them the advice we got. To now this like huge group of people from different industries that have shown an outpour of support basically saying, hey, like we want to help vets. We want to help vets. How can we help? Um, and so it's been, it's been amazing to help, to help people, but it's also been amazing to see how many people want to help. Yeah. So I know that you do, you know, like you said, you help with education, you help with certifications, but you also help with some transition assistance and guidance. What are some of those services that you offer? Definitely. So we've most recently we've had people reaching out, um, dealing with the switching of being First, we've had people reach out for how to use tuition assistance, which, which blows my mind because leadership in the military should really be really be helping guys use that. It's a great tool. Um, another thing we've had is guys reaching out saying like, hey, I've been using tuition assistance. I've gone to AMU, Central Texas, whatever the schools are, and I need help getting into another school. And I also need to make sure my benefits are going to allow me to do that and I'll be able to live there and this and that. And so a lot of it's been like, okay, let's, let's plan this out. Like, let's look at the BAH for that area. Okay, like that's, you can't live off that. Like, let's start looking at jobs in there. Okay, well, you know, the kind of task and goal oriented breakdown and saying like this, these are the benefits, these are how you use them, but what else are you going to have to do um, has really helped people. Because I think, you know, a lot of people really don't need as much help as they think they do in transition. They just need to realize what they should be working on. So helping them figure out what their priorities are and how to, how to point them in the right direction then. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. You said you were an infantryman, right? And you're doing something obviously totally different. I know, um, you know, you have a job on a political campaign, and then you also are running a nonprofit. Like, how did you translate what you did in the army to what you're doing today? What are some of the skills that transferred over for you? The majority of them. I mean, the communication, the leadership, and the the way that people that get out of the military handle stress in a productive instead of a reactionary scared manner mm -hmm. is, is invaluable. And it's, it's something I've been preaching and preaching and preaching is don't undervalue yourself for a veteran. Cause even though those, you know, soft skills are often overlooked, they're, they're huge. I mean, in the workforce, just having that experience of leading in such a high stress environment makes, 
you know, the, the menial tasks that come down at work that are supposed to stress you out, really, you don't worry, you handle it and you get it done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it also gives veterans have a very results oriented, achieve the mission approach, and they will work tirelessly until they do so. Um, and I think that the work ethic is another really, really big thing that is overlooked, but has, has helped me so much. You bring up a really good point. People often think, well, no one's going to care about my soft skills. And right. and we tend to just put our soft skills in like a, a list of core competencies or key skills. And I think, you know, demonstrating that decision making under pressure, um, demonstrating the, the communication, the adaptability within your accomplishments of your resume, you absolutely can integrate your soft skills into how you're marketing yourself as a candidate, as you should. Absolutely. So I think oh, that's absolutely. a good point. Now, if there's anyone listening that wants to do something similar to what you've done and maybe start a nonprofit, can you tell us a little bit about how did you go about get starting the organization? And I mean, you said you spent $4,000 on some certifications the other day. How do you get your funding for the organization? So the first piece of advice I'd have to anybody who wants to, to start a nonprofit is to, to definitely don't be in it for the wrong reasons. Um, I mean, me, me and Aubrey don't pay ourselves. And I mean, at this point, that's by choice. But mm -hmm. regardless, it's not like we'd be raking in the big bucks. You have to be in it for for something that you really, really, really care about. And for me and Aubrey, that's helping veterans. Mm -hmm. Another big thing is, you know, stay in compliance, do your research. There's a lot of things you have to file. There's a lot of things you have to do to start a nonprofit. So definitely do your research and make sure it's something you really care about. Um, second thing, as far as starting it and funding it, starting it was extremely slow. Um, I mean, with, with the limited amount of money we had trying to market and fundraise, while still finding vets that we can help while still paying all the filing fees for the compliance and all that it's i mean it's a lot um right. we were lucky enough to have a couple letter to the editors featured in local newspapers that started to build uh pick up some traction and that got us some funding and we were able to market a little more we got featured in more newspapers so the biggest source of our funding has been we have a couple local foundations the carolyn and peter friedman foundation uh, Tiburon Sunset Rotary Foundation that have sponsored us and have given us extremely generous donations. Um, and we were, we were lucky enough to find them actually through completely organic marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the fundraising is, is always the issue for, for nonprofits, um, especially with a very small, small marketing salary. I'd say for people that want to do that, I'd use any and every resource you have or could think of to spread the word about your services. But with that being said, you need to make sure that your services are top notch, that you really are helping people and you're doing a lot so that when you do help somebody, they then spread the word. Um, and that's what's helped us a lot is word of mouth, because right. when one veteran hears from another, like, hey, they actually really helped me. Like, look at this certification they just got me or look at this connection they just gave me. Then that makes people want to reach out. Okay. If someone might want to contribute to your organization, where could they go to do that? Uh, boots, the number two books.com. We've actually, our fantastic CTO, Aubrey Sign, his and co-founder has made a new website for us about a month ago. And so we've, we've updated from our extremely outdated one and it is, uh, super easy to figure out. 
Okay, excellent. So boots number two books.com in order to find out more about what you do, what services you offer. And if you want to contribute, um, this is another way to do that. So thank you for that. So and then we talked about it before we started, right? You are my youngest guest on the podcast. And I will tell you that that doesn't matter because you've accomplished some pretty amazing things in your military career and since you transitioned from the military. But I think that you've got some lessons that you'd like to share. Um, just, you know, since you left the army last year, what are some things, some lessons that you'd like to share that just to help people be more prepared for what's ahead? Definitely. So the the biggest one is is don't undervalue yourself. I say that a lot, but people really, really tend to undervalue themselves. And uh, a guy that I spoke to recently, he's, he's shared the story many times. He was applying to jobs that were entry-level jobs and he wasn't getting any looks. And then he applied to a job at a level above that and got it. Which, which goes into the don't undervalue yourself. You you have so much to offer in those soft skills and maybe in hard skills that you've picked up no matter what your MOS may be. And the undervaluing of yourself and the lack of confidence, I think really cripples some people in their transition and it makes it so much harder for them. Um, so value yourself. Another thing is network early and often. There's so many people out there that can connect you to this huge network of people that want to help veterans. Um, so early and often networking, keep your head up find find something you're truly passionate about to work in mm -hmm. um a lot of people that i know jump towards industries that they know pay high um on entry-level jobs and is as fantastic as that is and as much as you'll enjoy that pay years down the line you're going to very much regret that decision because it's work that you don't like mm -hmm. um so take the time do research interviews talk to people in industries and find out what their day-to-day -day life is like not just in that role, but at that company. Because even if that's not a role you like, maybe the company's got a great culture and you can look at other roles they have. Um, but really, really dive in because now is, you know, you the army, you, you don't get to pick where you work in the army. You know, you can re-enlist for a place, but you don't know the leadership you're going to get or who you're going to get to work with. Now is kind of your chance to be like, well, I really like how they run things there. They seem like they have such a good mentality and group and they're so, you know, they grow together. And you can pick to go work there. Um, so do your research. That's a that's a big one. Okay. I want to go through a couple of those. I was, let's expand on it a little bit. Because the first thing you said was don't undervalue yourself. And I think that is a common issue. As someone who has taught in the TAP program before, I know a lot of the messages that veterans get out there, whether it's in the TAP program or even on social media, is you know, you're not special, you, you've got to start your career over, and they get a lot of messages that say, listen, you're going to have to settle. And I call BS on that concept, you know, because I think that, you know, if you're going from one industry to a completely different industry, yes, you may have to take a step back. But in no way does your military experience not transfer to your the next phase of your career. You just have to figure out how it relates and how it applies to what you want to do next. Okay, so that's part of 
valuing yourself is not negating the skills that and the experience that you built in the military and not feeling like you have to stay in that same industry. Like you said, they're just going to keep going in the same industry. It's like, well, that's all I can do. It's not true. It is your job as that transitioning service member to figure out, okay, how can I take the experience that I've received in the military, just like you talked about earlier with your translating your soft skills from being an infantryman into the next career field. You can't expect the employer to do that for you. You've got to make that transition, that translation. You've got to show the employer your transferability. And that is really part of not undervaluing yourself, don't you think? Oh, definitely. And I think that goes into the some of the more common tips people hear about, you know, keeping military jargon and the, uh, you know, acronyms off of your resume as much as possible to make it understandable. Um, but it, it goes past that. It definitely goes into, like, if I were to say, oh, I, I led a fire team that qualified on all these live fires, nobody would have any idea what I'm talking about. You have to find a way to break down and be like, hey, I led a team that was qualified, you know, this many years in a row, we qualified at the top of our, say it in a way that makes it understandable to anyone in the world who may read it. You know, you have yeah. to assume that they haven't, heard a single military term or anything like that um, and that's not saying don't like wipe it all out or ignore your service just make it understandable so they can yeah. see how great you did do absolutely so your military services ended the value of that in the army whatever branch of the military you served that's no longer relevant but how can we make it relevant to where you're going next right definitely absolutely okay and then the other thing I want to talk about is what you, you said with the ex example with Paul. Do you think that, um, and maybe you guys talked about this, was he coming across as overqualified for the roles that he was applying for? I believe so. I think that is okay. the main reason. And that, you know, that can be, can be an issue for, you know, a variety of reasons, including from the recruiter's viewpoint, retainability. Because if he does think you're overqualified, he's also going to think that you're going to be looking for a position that, that suits those qualifications as soon as you can find one. Yep. I always tell people that if you ever hear from an employer that you're overqualified, it means one of two things. Either A, I can't afford you, or B, I know that you're going to leave me when something better comes along, right? Yep. And so undervaluing yourself and applying for a role where you are on paper overqualified, you're telling them one of those two things. So. Yep. There might be a case where you want in a company and you're willing to take a step back just for the future potential of where that company might take you. But that just means you need to change your resume to get in there and you need to communicate with them in your cover letter, in your interview. Why are you interested in taking a step back? in order to get in and, and once once they know that it's because you're dedicated to working for their organization you'll be viewed differently that tenure concern goes away doesn't it so so just i just wanted to touch on a couple of those because i think it could be really valuable to to people listening who might be That's facing right. those same things I agree and that that goes into the the targeted resumes and cover letters too a lot of people as much as i hear it said so many people don't don't do it or don't see the value in it if you are blanketing a resume and a cover letter, I mean, you're, it's just not, that is just not how to do it in any yep. way, especially as a transitioning veteran. You need to tailor that resume and those bullets to be A, understandable to everyone and B, 
look like you belong in that industry and in that position you're applying for and like you want it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about effort, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it really and, is. You know, I mean, I think that um, I talked about this on LinkedIn with with Cindy Palmer the other day and that, you know, if you don't put in the effort, it says to the employer that you don't really care whether you get the position or not. And you will always win more with quality over quantity in the job search. Definitely. So don't just send out a hundred resumes, blanket, generic no. resumes, as you said, right? That's not going to get you an interview. S send out you know, five a week. And those five, you've researched the company, you've identified kind of what are their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, their threats, how can you as a candidate solve the problems they have or the needs that they have, and really create that targeted resume and cover letter just for that company, put the effort in to show them that you want the job. And you will get further with those five than if you sent out a hundred of the same resume in the same week. I promise you, I've seen it happen again and again. I promise that will work for you. So 100%. And the, the company you apply to, if you spend the time to research and look into them, you'll be applying to companies that you really like and want to work at versus ones you probably don't know much about if you're just blanketing a resume. Exactly. And that's, that comes back to that passion that you talked about, right? Is like finding something that you really want to do. And, you know, you've got to become your own career manager from here on out. You're, you know, you don't have someone in the military looking out for you anymore. And I'm not going to say that no one's looking out for you in the private sector, but you do have to manage your own career going forward. And so find something that you like that kind of makes you want to get out of bed in the morning. And if, you're not in it, then keep looking until you find it. And there's nothing wrong with changing jobs. I don't want you to do it every month, but there, you know, you, there's nothing wrong. Like um, the average adult will change careers, not jobs, but careers seven to nine times in their life. So just know that you aren't stuck anywhere. Right. You are not a tree. You do not have to put down roots. You can go wherever you want to go and manage your own career from here on out. That is the most exciting part. <laughs> I know you really, it's like your, your opportunities are open before you. And uh, you're right. That is exciting. I think it's all about how we view it though, isn't it? Do we view it with like, oh my gosh, there's so many choices with fear or with excitement right? right and so you get to make that choice I'm, I'm gonna go mom on you right so i always tell my kids like you get to decide how your day is gonna go based on the attitude with which you approach every situation True. and the same goes here all right i'm done with my mom talk all right. <laughs> <I enjoy it. laughs> well, Peter, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your nonprofit, about Boots to Books, and telling us a little bit about how you did it. And I really feel like you bring a lot of really good insight into following your passion about, you know, really just not taking no for an answer and, and going after what really makes your heart sing. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you you having me on here. And I think you have absolute limitless amounts of, of knowledge for veterans. So if someone's listening, click that subscribe button because it, it comes out a lot. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. 
If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.